cigars all around Cheers, y'all Well, well, well That's the sound of a party about to happen Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program, podcast, and video extravaganza known internationally Hi, as the world-famous Smokin' and Toastin'. It is so nice to be here with you for show number 283, and today's show will be a little different, which I'll get into uh, you know, the logistics of that in a moment, but, uh, but we are going to have a great one, because on show number 283 today, as we talk about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars, our guest is Ryan Savoy. Ryan Am I pronouncing your name right? Uh, Savoie. Savoie. Okay. Yeah. All right. Much more. Much more. It's like I talked about the French last week. They're just more cultured than we are. Uh, that's why they're. That's why if you missed last week's drinking news, that's why they were just so appalled at the soccer player that kept farting in the uh, in, in in the dressing room. It's 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 a cultured type of place. So Ryan Savoie, Ryan, welcome. He is the executive chef at St. Arnold Brewing Company, and we are. Big St. Arnold fans yes. here on the show. So this is a very exciting thing. We're going to talk beer and food pairing today. All right. And that's a super exciting thing that more and more people are, are beginning to want to discover and want to explore and ask about, uh, whether it's beer and food pairing or spirit and food pairing or uh, even wine. And it's something that my knowledge is totally limited to stuff i've tried that seemed to work pretty good you know that's that's, that's a, i think that's the best way to go yeah so trial and error you can kind of you know know certain things might be more likely and that's that we'll talk about that a little bit uh, if you're you know if you're dealing with a stout for example there's probably certain foods that'll oh, yeah. go it's not necessarily what you're going to do with the tacos although you might yeah, I'll drink a stout uh, anytime. But but exactly. But but there are things that might that might pair better, and we'll get to we'll get to all of that. I hope uh, today. So we're looking forward to that. And anytime we have St. Arnold on the show, it's always exciting for us because not only obviously do we love their beers, but St. Arnold is. St. Arnold is what puts our city on the map, big time for uh, craft beer. Now there's plenty of great craft breweries around the city. In fact, there's. I think over 60 now in the greater Houston area. So that's a lot. But St. Arnold is the oldest craft brewery in Texas. And so not only did they kind of lead the way, but they have a tendency to be the one that gets recognition outside the state when uh, you know when they're being recognized for you know medium sized uh, craft brewery of the year or they were on the list that we did a couple of weeks ago yeah, of the, yeah. the the 50 uh, uh, craft breweries that produce the most craft beer in mm-hmm. uh, in the United States and so St. Arnold's oh, wow. I represent so you're the you're the guys that make us look good and that's particularly important because right up the street in Austin they have great craft breweries, don't get me wrong, but they always seem to grab the headlines. And I'm telling you, I would put the Houston craft brewing scene up against the Austin one. Austin has time. a Austin has a strange uh, mythical it does uh, thing about it that, that the rest of the country just they hear Austin and but they I, think about how it used to be, not entirely yeah, how it is anymore. I was going to say, I do think that's starting yeah. to recede because if you've tried to drive. <laughs> From one end of Austin to it's the bad. other uh, <laughs> during rush hour, I'm pretty sure you can drive across Houston, which is much larger, 
in about the same amount of time. It's traffic yeah. is yeah. bad in Austin. Not good urban the, planning. The big there. the big difference in the traffic though is that our, our rush hour lasts from three thirty to right. six thirty. Well, and it's good that it's spread out because <laughs> that's actually, hours. That's actually helpful in many in many ways. <laughs> At least ways. you're moving, right? So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So Ryan, welcome to the show. We are Thank so you. glad to have you, and we'll get into the beer and food uh, pairing stuff and do a little beer tasting. And I noticed you also brought some ginger beer. Yeah, uh, that's and, a, and this is a, a new. Is this a new St. Arnold thing? Yeah. Um, I'm not too sure uh, where it's available retail at the moment, but mm-hmm. it's out in several bars. And so, so ginger beers is like root beer in that it's non-alcoholic. Correct. Uh, but it still has to be brewed, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's yeah. not just something you can mix up in a you know a pitcher somewhere at home. It's got to it's got to actually be brewed. So we'll talk about this and do some tasting on that as well. And I think it'll be uh, pretty exciting to uh, to to get into that. Uh, in addition to our beer that we'll be talking about and tasting today from St. Arnold, uh, we're going to be having a little whiskey too. And we brought this out to the steak and bottle share this week uh, that we were invited to out at Manny El Cubano Lopez's place. And it is called Clan Denny, which I bought because I knew our buddy Alan Denny was going to be there. And right. I thought I would surprise him. And it turns out he has some at his, uh, at his uh, <laughs> of course uh, store. Does, of course right? he does. So, uh, But I think this would be a good time for us to... Uh, to take a look at what happened uh, out at Manny's place, we had a really good time, as I'm sure you will see uh, in this little uh, bit that we recorded at uh, El Cubano Cigars in League City, Texas, uh, for Steak and Bottle Share Night. I still remember those shows we did during the early days of the pandemic when we were on Skype. And uh, I bought a bottle of cigar malt and poured you half of it, and you came and picked it up. That way we could both be drinking the yeah. same thing at the same and time. And it was cleverly disguised in a Sprite bottle. Okay, let's just stop with the Sprite bottle. Let's talk about what happened the next week, which was when Ian was responsible for picking up the... Uh, Dude, I dropped off so many... Uh, bottles. Yes, you did. <laughs> I was going to say beers, but it wasn't beers. Yeah, I no. dropped off so many bottles with you. Yes, you did. I didn't and have any of All of them were malt liquor. That was when we did our malt liquor uh, taste test. That was a pretty entertaining show. That's yeah. something we should go back and revisit. And as far as my part, it continued to entertain me for the next several days. And I'm talking about <laughs> not in a pleasant way. That's what I'm talking about. Dude, anyway, look at this event here, man. This is great. So we're going to go around in a minute and, uh, and show people a little bit of what this is like. But not only does Manny, of course, roll all his own cigars and, and do all the blends himself. So everything here at El Cubano is the blend that Manny has come up with. Taste some. He's really good. He's really good. This is such a cool area. This whole spot is so cool. It's so fun to come in here. It's open air like this. Yeah. Uh, bottle share tonight, as you can see, this is 
Absolutely love meat that's cooked over an open fire, just like that. That is fantastic. So these this, guys will be cooking up our setup where you can winch the grill up, yeah, up and down. Yeah. So if it gets too hot, too cold. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's oh, cool. that's serious right there. Do uh, you guys do stuff all over the place? As in, like people can could people hire you to come out for events and stuff? We, uh, for like rolling events, yes. Yeah. Not for barbecue. Okay. Yes. For rolling events, yes. We are in the house that is Manny Approved, one of our favorite people, Manny El Cubano Lopez at the El Cubano Cigar Lounge, and it's steak and bottle share night. Interestingly, cigars aren't in the name of the night, but they're just kind of assumed. Manny has just uh, provided me with one of his newest blends. This is the El Cubano blend with the special, I'm pretty sure this is the Habano. And uh, so I'm gonna light this bad boy up and get the evening started. Ian's on his way, so I'm gonna try and get a little smoking done before he gets here. Our good friend Alan Denny, by the way, in the house. What's up, Alan? It's nice to be here as I pod crash. Too bad, Chris Hart. <laughs> here we go, let's light this baby up. Mm. Mm. It's a beautiful semi-box press. It's got a really nice, uh, really nice nose on the pre light and Mm. Okay, this is going to be pretty exciting because I can already tell lots of complexity to this and I'm pretty stoked about smoking this one. So we'll let you know how it comes out. Ian will join us in a minute and of course we'll uh, go out and take a look at the steaks on the grill. <laughs> my boys. I love it. Oh, yeah, Ian, look at this. Stone Cold Meats does the steaks here and these are the ones we've chosen. Mary's having a filet. Uh, Adam and Brianna will be doing this prime picana, and you and I are going to split split that beast. That thing. That's a wagyu something or other. Uh, <laughs> all I know is wagyu means oh, so yeah, it means expensive in Japanese, and, uh, and uh, but uh, actually that's a really reasonable price for a wagyu steak. So you can pay like you can pay a whole lot of money at the steakhouse. This is what happens at Steak and Bottle Share Night at El Bottle Lounge. That is I'm excited. so wonderful. That's going to be good. Potatoes, too. And here's what it looks like once it's plated and being eaten. How is that, man? It's very good. Oh, it looks fantastic. I can't wait. 
for ours to come off the grill. This is going to be exciting. You guys enjoying some of Becca Creek? I see. Very nice. You, come, you guys come out here a lot to the steak and bottles here? Haven't missed that one all year. Haven't missed that one. That's dedicated. I can see why. I mean, these cigars, the steaks, what's not to like? 100%. All right, so this is Jeff. Jeff is part of the I understand you make a mean old Brandy and Steph Rubin, we got people headed behind the bar. Alright, he's getting his old friend recording. I'm from Wisconsin. We're the number one consumer of Corbell Brandy in the world. And the reason for that is because in the 1863 World Fair, that was where Corbell Brandy was introduced. And that was in Illinois. And people from Wisconsin came to Illinois at the 1863 World Fair, and they were all from Germany. And in Germany, they drank a lot of brandy. So this was the first brandy that they found in the United States. And those German immigrants, they made Wisconsin a brandy state. So if, wow. you, go to, if you go to Wisconsin and you order an old-fashioned, it's going to be brandy. They're going to make it with brandy, even, make if, with even, brandy, if, even if you, you don't, don't ask. ask. Like, yeah. If, you, if yeah. you want a bourbon old-fashioned, they're going to look at you like, you need to go to that. <laughs> not from around here. It's kind of like ordering a Pepsi in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I moved to Texas a year ago, and uh, I've had friends and co-workers making you know, traditional old-fashioned. I like, like them, I appreciate them, and today I'm making them live. Awesome. I love them. They look absolutely delicious. Is that... Uh, uh, is that a recipe you perfected over time, or was it easy? No, it's a pretty, it's a pretty easy. It's a, it's a traditional fashion with maraschino cherries, bitters, a little simple syrup. If yep. you want it sweet, you add Seven Up. If you want it sour, you add grapefruit soda. You want it fresh, it's half grapefruit soda. It's half, half grapefruit soda, half Seven Up, and you can do it dry where you just do Google Texas. Nice, nice. Well, you look fantastic, and thank you for uh, giving us your secret. Yeah. <laughs> We're in the humidor with Billy, and this is this is the place to be. Thank you so much for inviting Thanks us out to this. This is quite an event. But we're really in the place where the magic happens. Yes, right here. Well, I suppose the this magic is what brings it all together. Roll. But uh, but this is where it all comes together. Now she opened up with a shot of some of these cigars that you Look call at exotics. How right. Tell us, tell us about those. So these are under our Manny Special, our Gold Label, which is a five country blend that we do, and we do all kinds of different ornate work on them, cutting out different tobacco leaves yeah. and, and and intertwining Connecticut's with Maduros and circles and lines and our foot ball and our yin yang and just kind of just getting creative with tobacco just doing some things some what i call tobacco art you know stuff that you don't see every day well it's just absolutely yeah. gorgeous and very unique i've not thank seen you, anything smokable I mean, art we've seen obviously the uh, barber pole cigars right, right, and they, right. those are not that uncommon but something like this Football here. Yeah, yeah. A, well, you talked oh, about a great cigar special. for Super Bowl. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's wait. We, we need to pay the NFL. Yeah, that's it. Big game. The big game. So yeah. So we do. So, so I just get creative, get ideas in my head, and just kind of you know transition it to tobacco. And takes a little time. You just kind of think about it, and you know it's just cuts and angles and, well, and taking different color tobaccos and just putting it all together. Rolling a tobacco is art already. It is. Just rolling a cigar doing, is art. Yeah. I always tell people making cigars is a combination of art and science. The science comes in growing tobacco, fermenting the tobacco, blending the tobacco into the cigar blend that you're looking for, and the art comes into rolling the cigar, getting the finished product and stuff. When so you experience kind of this cigar, are you yeah. getting the flavor three? Yeah, you're gonna get. Of course, you're right. Exactly. 
exactly, because wrapper's about six, depending on the dimension of the cigar and right. the size of the cigar, about 60% of what you get out of a cigar is, is out of the outer wrapper on flavor and taste. Strength comes predominantly from inside, but flavor comes from the exterior. So that cigar, as you smoke it, it kind of transition from a little milder on that Connecticut, a lot of leather, right. creamy tone. Now we'll get to that Alano, it's got some nice earthy tones. And the last little bit, which is the best part of the cigar, where everything collects, all yeah. the juices and all the... The nicotine and everything collects, you get into that Maduro, which is a nice, rich, earthy tones, kind of a little cocoa black licorice work in there. So it's just kind of a Neapolitan cigar. That's you know? that's so fun. Manny, that's that's a whole experience. It absolutely yeah. is. Now, Manny, when we came out here the first time and did our show out here, you schooled us so seriously on so much about tobacco. It was and amazing. Rolling. It was really one of the coolest episodes that we ever did. And we smoked a number of your different cigars, took a number of your different cigars home and smoked right, them. Right. And they were all really, really good. Thank you. But tonight, you handed me, I said, what am I smoking? And you put this in my yeah, hand. That's our this 409. is the 409. So, yeah, that's a 409 in the box press and what we call a Sublime, six and a half by 54 ring gate. Just a very unique, I really tried to take on Cuban characteristics when I blended that cigar, really taking all my knowledge and all of our rollers' knowledge together, you know, the years and years of experience we have, and kind of blending something that's like a super cigar, something that's yeah. like unlike anything you've ever seen. before. this is this master this work. Is Thank you. It is so even beyond where you were. Yeah, yeah. it really, really is. And so, um, how did you yourself learn the art of blending. Yeah, it was all taught by my father and grandfather. It was experimental. I mean, everybody has techniques and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Your dad was a beautiful, beautiful He was a great guy. We miss him every day. You know, around here, of course, we have it. You know, a little memorial to him there. He passed away, unfortunately, in December. But he lived 85 years, and and we worked side by side for 40 years, side by side, learned a lot from him. And, you know, I attribute everything that we've done to what I learned from him. You know, he was a master, and he passed it on to me. and. You know, I hope to pass it on to my son as time goes on. And, you know, these are things that, you know, you just, you don't learn in a book. You know, right. it's hands-on. You have to put your hands, my, my hands are in tobacco every day. And they're all different, you know. They're like snowflakes. Each one has unique characteristics, flavor profile, textures and thicknesses and, and you know, different vein structures and stuff. And you look at a tobacco leaf to really learn about tobacco, you have to have it in your hand. Because yes. that's when you really look at it, you can see how it grew and what made it do what it did and things like that. It's, it's just, I, it's, love, it's I love on the labels on the boxes, especially you put made by hand. Yeah, right up from on the one, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right up on absolutely. top, like 100%. Yeah, yeah, to make a good cigar, it has to be hand. It's all by feel. That's where the art comes in because it's all feel in your hand and like I say you're grabbing tobacco leaves from a pile and you're using different types of tobacco but they're all different even from the same pile you know there's no two that are the same they're a leaf so some are thicker some are thinner you know so it's all adjustment and it's all by feel right. and adjusting and you're rolling the cigar you may have to tear a little piece of leaf to put it in there to when you're rolling it you pull back and add a little leaf because it's got a little crevice a little cavity in there so it's it's an art but it doubt, really is you know? an art and to be able to do something consistently where you can yes. go okay this is our blend yeah. now we're going to make this blend that's right be able to do that time after know. time and each yeah. year you know tobacco will vary because sure. you got different weather conditions different amount of rains different amount of sunshine cloudy days rainy days you know wind heat 
cool all that affects the tobacco so to keep it consistent year over year as crops change and stuff takes a lot of some manipulation and really sophisticated palate to try to keep it as consistent year over that's year because I want a guy to be able to smoke this cigar and in five years come back and say man that's what I remember when I smoked that cigar Absolutely. Five years that's ago. an amazing so, ability well, this the 409 is a triumph Thank you. honestly this is yeah, that's our top notch cigar is the best of the best the 409 is made from the top 10-15% of the tobacco when we're getting the bales in and we're opening up the leaves and, and preparing it to roll. The leaves that are perfect vein structure, coloration, size and stuff, we put them to the side. It's about 10-15% to 15 and that's what we use for the 409. So it's the pick of the litter type thing. It's and, the choice cigar of the And of the your bales. rollers do all that here. Yeah, we do all that in, you, in Texas City. Yeah, I, I do that personally. Now, I go through every tobacco goes through my hand. Every cigar goes through my not hand. Not only that, but you yeah. do a lot of events where you go out and do the rolling right. on premises. Right, where, because people have never seen it. They I saw it on a video or I saw it on TV. Right. Or I, I thought it was a machine. No, the machine you carry with you everywhere you go. You know, and it's, it's, it's right it's, there. It's the hands. It's the art and stuff and getting the tobacco and putting it all together and you know it's like magic it's like a, a good cigar roller it's like it's effortless and and 10 minutes later you look and it comes out a cigar pops out of just a bunch of leaves that are laying on the That's rolling so table. Fantastic. A triumph for sure. Congratulations pleasure, on everything you've done. Uh, and on we this work hard at it you know there's a lot of preparation a lot of behind the scenes that people don't see and you know when people start to see what's involved and they understand why cigar costs $8, dollars $10, $15, $20. It's just because there's a lot to it. I'm amazed with everything that goes into a cigar that you can buy one yeah. at that price. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's handled through crazy. hundreds of people, you know, yes. just in the field. Uh, an average plant might be touched 150, 175 times in this growing period. Peeling off the dwarf leaves, you don't want anything to steal nutrients. Pulling all the weeds out of the ground so that nothing steals from that plant. Let all right. that soil and all those minerals and everything that earth has, let it come into that plant and let it develop that plant and give you the full flavor of what the cigar has to have. Exactly. Love exactly. It. exactly. Absolutely. The agriculture of its Well, the end result is everything you would want it to be. Fantastic. That's the magic part, you know? Fantastic. Thank like you, man. My you know, God made the tobacco leaf. I just figured out how to roll it in the cigar and <laughs> smoke it a little bit better. I you know? love so it. That's how I to look at it. it. So you want to talk about a good time, Ian. That, that was a good time. That was an absolute uh, blast. And Manny, I, he may be, of all the people that I know in the cigar world, maybe not counting like the Rocky Patels who we've met, but I don't really know. Uh, but of all the people that I know personally in the cigar world, he may be the single most knowledgeable one. I mean, he's just what he knows about the whole process of putting a cigar together and what's involved. I mean, he's just, he, he's amazing and he couldn't be a nicer guy. So I encourage you guys. Gregarious is the word, yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, So I encourage anybody to go down there and check out his shop. Uh, it's in uh, League City, Texas. It's called El Cubano. And Manny's there a lot of the time. So you can get him to walk you through the humidor and talk about what's there. And, and, and his shop is easy to get to. I oh, mean, you drive yeah. straight down 45, well, depending on where you're coming from, but straight down south on a 45 exit, what, I think it's 518 is yeah. the name of the road. It's also known as Main Street going mm -hmm. through there. But uh, you, you, no matter which direction you're going, you exit 518 and you head east on 518 and you're just going to run into the shop. And he does bottle shares regularly. And, yes. when, and when the weather's not too hot, now you'll take a break over the summer, but when it starts to cool down again in the fall, they do the steak and bottle share uh, one, once a month. The steaks were amazing. Oh Stone God. cold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come uh, on. Absolutely amazing. Those so. steaks were. And then the way they did it, I've never been to a, a steak night. 
uh, like that where you go over and you, you purchase your meat. They have it uh, uh, vacuum packed. Right. Um, and different selections, and you purchase, you know, you peruse the cooler and purchase uh, the meat that you, you steak want. steak you want, yep. And then you go put it on a plate, and they and have a it. table with just tons of seasonings out. Mm -hmm. Season it however you want, and then you walk over to the guy with this amazing grill. Oh, my God, the greatest grill I've ever seen in my this life. Thing, it was so oh good. Oh, man, that yeah. thing was awesome. And uh, and then he cooks it up however you ask, and hand it back to you, and you are mm. eating. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely delicious. So I'm excited about doing a little, uh, speaking of food, I'm excited about doing a little uh, food and beer pairing yeah. here with Ryan Savoie from St. Arnold uh, Brewing Company. And uh, also on today's program, as we normally do these days, uh, we will do another uh, installment of the segment that has become incredibly popular on the program, but it is uh, not always stories about drinking, but it is always stories that are probably best enjoyed if you've been drinking, it's what we call drinking news, and that'll be coming that up is here. So much fun! Yes, uh, our drinking news teaser headline for today: You'll never look at the Loch Ness monster the same way again. And that's coming up in our uh, uh, in a later segment here on the program. We are going to take a break right now. We'll be back with uh, Ryan Savoy, Savoie, Savoie. Savoie. I'll get that right by the end of the show. We'll be back with Ryan and a little food and beer pairing on Smoking <laughs> and Toasting. Welcome back at Smoking and Toasting. This is the program that is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are uh, excited about having uh, Ryan Savoie with us. He is the executive chef from St. Arnold. We're going to get into food and beer pairing uh, in just a moment, but I wanted to pass this along uh, first, Ian. Habanos South America, which is basically the company that exports Cuban cigars all over the world, except, of course, the U.S., Right. Um, they set a record last year with more than $500 million in sales. Wow. And they're still raising the prices. <laughs> uh, we That's talked about this a little bit last crazy, week, yeah. uh, but they're saying that prices could as much as triple on Cuban cigars across the next year and expect those Cohibas to run in the $100 plus range per, per cigar stick. that's yeah. crazy yeah. what are you a, a gurkha uh, <laughs> didn't gurkha have like a super expensive one that's like you know wrapped in gold well, or you something know, uh, like cohiba that. has one too yeah, they're yeah. uh spec spectral specter specter yeah. or, or something like that or there's always the davidoffs which are almost that expensive careful just, how many times you say that name and you yeah. just owe them money automatically it's kind of <laughs> like the nfl kind of like the super bowl, super yes. bowl oh, yeah. um, this could be an expensive <laughs> show if i don't shut up uh so anyway i just but i thought that was interesting record year for cuban cigars around the world and remember this is without the u.s market being open to them yeah. at all if that were to go away, the uh, the embargo, right, and it would be okay for cigar shops here in the United States to sell Cuban cigars, imagine what that would do to their exports. Yeah. You know, that would be a, a like a almost like a, a vacuum uh, opening up and and cigars having to rush in to fill it. Although. I'll tell you, especially with the prices going up like they are on Cubans, man. I don't know if I've, I, I yeah, just the, don't know that it's worth those it. Those Cohibas that are going to be going from thirty dollars to hundred dollars, the cigar's not getting any better. Right, 
exactly. It's and just I'm not saying it's expensive. not good, but it's it's not going to get. No, it's a three great cigar. Yeah. yeah, but but at a hundred dollars a stick. Yeah. But is it really better than the the Olivas that you and I were smoking the other uh, night? Yeah, you know. I mean, at, or at the same price, previous price point that forty uh, fifth anniversary Padron, oh, like yeah. that is an absolute beast. Absolutely. And, and you may pay thirty plus for that cigar, but it is worth every penny. It's unbelievable. So yeah, so, so it's something to be uh, something to be excited about uh, in in some ways, but. I just don't know. I but just see, don't know if I can justify But the see, cost. I think that Cuban cigar thing, uh, that that myth that Cubans make the best cigars in the world. Well, if you like that flavor, yes. I think that's much like, you know, uh, uh, 20 years ago or so, you can only get good beer in Germany. Well, yeah, You know, right. like, or in, in Europe. And that's it's just not true anymore. Or think know? about it, like, with sparkling wine, for example. It used to be the only good sparkling wine was considered to be... From the Champagne right. region in France. Everything else was a pretender, right? Well, these days, you can get some amazing brut cavas. You can get yeah. uh, even sparkling wine from the United States, uh, from Napa Valley or from uh, uh, Sonoma, especially, uh, that really will compete Start very, very well close, yeah. with that. So. While that might still kind of be the gold standard, you don't have to go there. And I'll put, you know, I'll put some of the cigars you just mentioned right up against a Cuban. I really oh, yeah. will, absolutely, I really will. And they're less expensive, so uh, so it's something to think about. So, all right, Ryan Savoie is here. Yep. First of all, Ryan, explain to me why Saint Arnold would reach out to you. Why Saint Arnold would have an executive chef at a brewery. What does your day to day job entail? Oh, a lot of work in the kitchen. Um, yeah. In five words or less. Yeah. No, that's a joke. <laughs> uh, I've been there, I'm in my ninth year, and um, I had a friend who was a brewer there. Mm -hmm. uh, I was working for a, a, a different restaurant uh, at the time, and he let me know that uh, St. Arnold was looking to start a food program, and they needed an, an executive chef. Uh, so I... I applied, uh, interviewed a couple of times, I think three, mm -hmm. all all day, and uh, then I got the job and uh, dove right in. And uh, initially, we had a small kitchen. Um, on the second floor, there's the beer hall, mm -hmm. uh, which right. I'm sure you're both familiar with. Oh, yes, we are. Uh, it's, it's, <coughs> it's big. Yeah. Um, I don't know the seating. Uh, Two hundred plus. It's, it's a big room. Yeah, yeah. I've been yeah. I've been to weddings there and, yeah. and, and, well, and Arnold, all kinds of events. Yeah. Saint Arnold moved from what was a very crowded sort of industrial uh, park mm -hmm. space oh, yeah. in one part of town into this enormous old building yeah. uh, out on the sort of uh, well, really right off of the loop. But it's a uh, it's a beautiful it right there at I ten and forty five fifty nine. I'm sorry, thank you. Fifty nine interchange. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but it is it is a beautiful old building, but like. The the room that they selected for the for the beer hall is just cavernous. It's huge and it's it, it's perfect actually. If you've for, lived in Houston for a while, it was also real easy to find when they first moved there because that's where anytime you parked in the wrong spot and your car got towed, like right next to it was right, the lot. Right next door. That's yeah. exactly right. That you ended up having to go to late at night. Oh, that's never happened to me. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, and actually where that tow lot was, that's where the the new restaurant is. It's not new Yeah, anymore. you guys took over a lot of that space. Mm -hmm. We've been, uh, we've had the, the beer garden open for three years now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and that's 
That's going great. So you came over to San Arnold. They had no program. They you started it from ground up with them. The food program. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. There sorry, was no. Food there was no food well. whatsoever. Um, outside of uh, during the Saturday tour, and that was the only day that they had the tour at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sold pretzels. <laughs> from Slow Dough Bread Company, yeah. which we still sell. Tour, uh, by the way, is is quite quite the uh, fun term for yes. what they had. They basically you came in, they gave you chips, they're like, "Go get beer and look out the window." There, <laughs> yeah. And the the, the the tour is a lot a lot more uh, a lot more involved uh, now. Involved, yeah. involved now, yeah. There's a you know, you go in and you can see the uh, the brew kettles. They take you down onto the floor. You can see the fermenters, um, and. Uh, now they're doing them seven days a week. I think they do four a day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Used to be it would just Lenny would come down and go, okay, here's a pretzel. Beer's this way. You know? <laughs> yeah. At, at the, before they moved yeah. uh, for the tours, Brock would just get up on a scissor lift because there, no, there was nowhere to walk around. He was just yeah. standing amongst all the stuff. So he would just go up on the scissor lift and... You know, give his pitch. So Brock is the owner and, uh, and master, Wagner, yeah. uh, uh, master Houston uh, legend. Yeah, he really is a Houston legend because he started really all of this in in terms of of our hometown. So it's pretty pretty oh, cool yeah. thing. So uh, when you first came in, there's no food available except for the pretzels. Um, what do you What do you do first? Like, what's a first step in creating a food program for something like St. Arnold Brewery? Uh, well. Uh, Brock wanted us to, the the idea that he had was for us to serve uh, one meal a day, like a two or three course meal. And mm-hmm. the idea was to come in and get this lunch at St. Arnold. We were only serving lunch, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, enjoy the beer. Because at that time, uh, it was we were not able to sell our beer to our customers right, directly. On, on the uh, premise, that's right. Yeah. yeah, and he had a major hand in getting that changed. Yeah, big time. Um, so, but we were able to, you know, if you come in, you buy lunch, You the beer was included, included in, in right. the price. Buy, buy a sandwich, get uh, beer free. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so, five days a week, we were serving something different. Um, and that lasted maybe three months, four months. Um, because, you know, it was changing every day. Uh, people would want something that they liked, you know, and they weren't able the, to get it because the food the, was different every day. had before. Yeah. yeah. So we just made a menu. Uh, and so we had a standard menu that we served every day. Uh, at that point, it was still just lunch, uh, five days a week. And then we started serving food for the Saturday tour. Which was a considerably abbreviated menu because we were serving so many people. Right. Um, and the the kitchen that we were operating out of was a bandbox. It was very small. Um, but uh, that went great. And then we started doing a pub night, which we would stay open late on Friday nights, and that was successful as well. And then we started catering, uh, having events where we would you know standard. You know, delicious St. Arnold food catered for your event. Were you uh, pairing the food and beers like right from the start, or is it something that kind of developed out of it? Uh, for that, uh, I always have. Everybody's got their suggestions, mm-hmm. um, and I think for the pairings, it's it's something that gets generally agreed upon. Um, but because I'm I'm pretty free and easy when it comes to the pairing. Um, I've, I've always said, you know, 
you know, always start with what you like the most. Right. You know, and, uh, you, you know, use your own judgment based on what you like. Um, granted, some beers go better with some kind of food than others. I mean, uh, barley wine and tacos for me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's you. But that's you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for the barley wine, you know, I, I, would, I would put that, you know. I mean, the easiest for that would be, you know, big steak. Or uh, yeah, a big steak. Or, or how about something like, like even meatloaf or something like that oh, would yeah. work with a yeah. barley wine because it's big and it's uh, the big robust. savory kind yeah. of flavors. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, so I would, I would guess that you um, that you sort of tailored the menu to the beers that were on the St. Arnold menu already. Is that is that a fair assessment? You would think. Yeah. That is that is not it. Okay. Uh, because, um, well, there's a lot of stuff that, that we in the kitchen would want to do, things mm-hmm. that uh, we felt uh, people wanted when they would come in. Right. And so the, for us, the food comes first, and then the pairings come after that. We decide, so once you we have a dish, we, you go, okay, which of our beers is going to go with this the best? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes total sense. So um, are there... Is it the type of thing where it's just general rule? As a general rule, you look for a certain style of beer or kind of beer for a particular food, or is it is it really and truly trial and error? Do you try everything? Um, I don't personally. I've got I usually kind of stick to my guns when I think something's going to be good with something. Um, but there are certainly plenty of others who work at the brewery who. Uh, try a lot of different stuff. Okay. Um, I know that uh, Wags likes to, you know, he he will go through the whole. I mean, he he will taste many. Taste many it with beers. everything, yeah. Yeah, um, and so usually when it comes to that, uh, it it comes down to discussion more than debate. I'm <laughs> I'm pretty easy if somebody thinks that they're. Pairing is going to be better. At it. Okay. Yeah. All right. It goes on hot dogs. It is. <laughs> goes on Sorry, hot dogs. That's, that's terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> and, and the, the same goes. Oh, oh, it might be pretty good, actually. <laughs> the same yeah. applies with uh, the the beer as an ingredient. Mm-hmm. Um, I I won't use it unless it works. Right. And you know I don't just throw beer and the food willy-nilly right so if we were going to take like where would you start uh with us would you start with this uh with this hideaway uh in in terms of uh, to for us to taste and talk about what kind of food you you would recommend that that it go with oh yeah yeah because this i I would say is the uh lightest one and i think and then the hm pills moves to uh, a little bit heavier so ian why don't you why don't you um Open that up. Let's let's take a little sip here, and then you can talk about what uh, we'll talk about what the beer is like, and then you can talk about what kind of foods are uh, on your menu or otherwise that would be the right uh, the right things to pair with these. So I'll just go ahead and start passing yeah, those pass around. around. We we try to take care of the producers. So <laughs> everybody, <laughs> All right. so. yeah, yep, absolutely. Now for Thank the you, sir. for the hideaway, uh, it's got uh, salt and lime in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it's a Kolsch yeast. Am I? I think that's yes. right. Yeah. And uh, then it's also soured with lactobacillus, uh, which so lactobacillus is that something that's in the lactose family? What is what is it exactly? That's nah, deep water question for me. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, because there are a number of beers 
that include lactose in, you know, I've had a number of these, but... I don't think I've ever had anything in this style with that. That, that could be like lactose is a different thing. Lactobacillus is not related I to. Just, I don't know. I was just wondering if, yeah, it, was, if it was related in some way. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, but I know that uh, how it operates within the beer, it sours it. We had it mm-hmm. uh, in our boiler room, which I thought mm. was a really cool beer. It was a really I love boiler room. Boiler yeah. room was. I, I miss I, that I wish one you so guys hard. Would, Bring that back, even if just uh, as a temporary thing. At because five dollars uh, for a bomber, I used oh, to go through so many wonderful. of those. And even if it was like seven when it came back, yeah. it'd be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love it. Now, Boiler Room obviously became the Raspberry AF when yeah. they added raspberry to it. But what about this is similar to what Boiler Room was? Uh, the addition of fruit, okay, uh, the lactobacillus, and a fairly low ABV. It does remind me a little of Boiler Room. Well, it's so Boiler Room always had a very delicate kind of sour to it. It mm-hmm. wasn't a punch was, you in the face kind right, of sour. Right. It, it was wasn't. A, it didn't make your your face pucker up when yeah. you drank it. it yeah, was, no bitter yeah. beer face from mm-hmm. it. And this has that kind of same same. It, it, the sour is there, but it's not. You know, and you can pull out the lime and salt uh, flavoring in that. Mm-hmm. So I generally uh, speaking. Like when you say there's lime and salt in a beer, mm-hmm. I 100% almost never want it. This is actually really pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree though. A lot of times those beers that you're talking about just taste like they took like a pilsner and dumped like some beer salt and and lime flavored juice into it. And this yeah. this tastes like it was really brewed for a specific flavor. You know? Oh yeah, and it, I know that they were working on it for quite a while. Um, but uh, I, I I would say that there's no uh, flavoring as as much as there is the flavor of the actual ingredients. There's actual right. lime peel and uh, powdered lime, and you can pull and straight that, up salt. Yeah, you can it. pull that lime peel flavor uh, distinctly out yeah. of it. Yeah, it sits like right in the back of the palate after mm-hmm. you take a sip, and the salt kind of keeps it, uh, you know, kind of keeps it on the top of the tongue as you. Uh, as you drink it, Ian, uh, let's make sure we show that to the camera. So oh, we yeah, yeah. A, a good shot of what Hideaway looks like, of course, uh, in the St. Arnold family of cans. Uh, <laughs> but that's awesome. We always love seeing the patron saint of beers or patron saint of brewers. <laughs> um, so uh, food-wise, I mean, what's going to come to my mind is, you know, tacos and, and Mexican food and things that yeah. you would, maybe if you're someone who drinks a margarita with with certain kinds of food, those would be the same foods that would that would go with this. Let me ask you this, because uh, I don't know what all's on the menu right now. Uh, if I walked in and said, man, I love this beer, what do you have on the menu that you think would go fantastic with this? Uh, I would say a grilled chicken sandwich. Oh, yeah, I mm-hmm. can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a grilled chicken sandwich uh, on one of our many breads that we make in-house uh, with pickled green tomatoes, preserved lemon mayonnaise, Arugula and bacon and mm. fresh mozzarella cheese. That's so you are making me hungry right yeah, now. That sounds so good. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, that for a sandwich and uh, for one of our uh, one of our pizzas, uh, I would say uh, our Greek chicken pizza. Oh yeah, uh, that so, uh, that totally speaks to me too. Grilled chicken, sun dried tomatoes, spinach. And uh, would you? Oh, I can see the sun dried tomato going real well with that too. Yeah. And would you pair this with tacos? Was I was I right or wrong on that? Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, but. Probably chicken or beef, uh, as opposed to like barbacoa. Or oh, I was right. thinking pastor. Yeah, well. Oh, that'd be a good one too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, this show is making me hungry. Yeah, this, uh, I mean, this like, is this is just going to be called the hungry show. The beer is good, but yeah, <laughs> we're going to be like, woohoo! 
Uh, all right. Well, that's. Uh, I like this beer a lot, and I'm I'm with Ian. A lot of the margarita beers, if you wear the the beers that are kind of margarita like uh, in terms of the flavor. I just feel like they they come off a little artificial. This one, I've, this was like a beer I think that's that was because a lot of it is. Uh, this I've was a beer to a be few, brewed to be this. I've you tasted know? a few recently that uh, that looked like they might be good, and they're from reputable breweries. Like uh, mm-hmm. uh, Eleven Below made one called Taco Tuesday. That I remember we had that one on the show. I just wasn't a big fan of. Yeah, it. and and I like a lot of their beers, but that I, particular beer, agreed. I wasn't crazy about. Yeah, it. yeah I, I agree. And and don't even get me started on Bud Light Lime. This makes Bud Light Lime look like Zima. Well, it makes makes Bud Light Lime look like the furniture polish that is what it actually tastes like. That's what it does. Uh, So, but no, this is uh, this is really good. And you were so right making the comparison to Boiler Room because uh, this does remind me in a very pleasant way of Boiler Room, which was one of my very favorite St. Arnold things. So we got to talk to Brock. We got to. Hey, just bring back limited. It, 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 I promise it'll do well. I can see that conversation. Brock, you don't know me. <laughs> but listen. But let me tell you what you need there, to do. <laughs> there's been a lot of uh there's been a lot of beers that were pulled from the rotation that yeah. uh have were found to be very popular well, in in the comments section. I, I certainly understand that you can't keep making every beer. Logistically, yeah. you can't. Yeah, do it. and yeah. unfortunately, very popular in the comments section doesn't always translate to popular in the sales either. And That's I right. will say this: yeah. judging by what I see in the St. Arnold section, when I'm down at uh, you know uh, my favorite specs or at, or at uh, Phoenicia downstairs in my building, like you've got a lot more beers in. Full time production, I think, than oh, you ever way have. Way more than there was yeah, ten years ago. Yeah. Way more. You know, used to be it was like you had like what the amber and the brown, which became they changed the name of it, right? The uh, t- uh, ale wagger. Oh yeah, right, yeah, right. right. Uh, which I believe is no longer. Yeah, that's available. that's been yeah. gone. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about yeah. that. We haven't seen that in a while. But as you've expanded, you know, uh, along came you used to have um, what was the. Uh, the IPA named after the tall ship. It's, it's Alyssa. Alyssa, Alyssa, right? Yeah. Uh, so you used to have Alyssa, and I certainly supported you for many, many years uh, as an Alyssa. I fan. would go. I would uh, go to um, Ginger Man specifically yeah. to drink the Alyssa because yeah. they had it on cask. Oh, and you, they yeah, would draw baby. from the cask there, and then and, and then uh, Art so Car good. came along and became your dominant uh, IPA. Oh yeah, that's and, it. That's the American style. And I got to tell you. I thank you guys so much. Art Car has got just enough, like heft, in our city here in terms of its uh, its reputation and and it, it's taken so seriously that sometimes it will be the only good beer on a restaurant's menu. Like seriously, <laughs> I've been to some like oh no no no, no. Art Car. <laughs> it's yeah. a it's a good one. I mean, it really for, is for an it's IPA. It's 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 a lot more. Complex than other ones that I've had. It's but now you've got the juicy IPA. Is that something yeah. you're gonna you're gonna keep? Is that, is that going to be a regular thing, or is it going away? Uh, I don't know. I sure hope it doesn't I, go away. I would That's imagine that it's. Beer. I would imagine that it's fairly popular. That style yeah. is really yeah. popular. Yeah, it really, so. it really is. And I'm hoping you're going to keep this little harmony around too, because I love this beer. Oh yeah. What's uh what what's That's one a of your favorite? If if I was going to uh, San Arnold's to eat. What what's one of your things that you say? Okay, like if you're coming here, this is definitely a signature dish that we make here. Uh, I I straight up love the pizza that we make. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think it is fantastic. 
And are you talking all iterations of it, or is there a particular particular one of the pizzas that you like? I like them all. Yeah. Uh, They're and, all uh, his children. I, I think that it's a, <laughs> as far as our pizza selection, it's, it's very well-rounded. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to find something that you're into on there. And as far as uh, beers to pair with that, it's going to depend on what that individual pizza is, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So you're if you if it's a chicken Alfredo pizza, I'm not sure if you got that on the menu or not. I don't remember, but it, it, that's going to be different than something that's pepperoni and salami and and, yeah. uh, and uh, Italian sausage. So um, I I'm interested to and, and if you have pineapple on a pizza, just get a wine cooler. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we, we had we had one for a while when we first opened yeah uh and we and it, it was kind of put on there because i thought it would be funny and yeah and, uh but it was pineapple ham and uh you could add spam oh. if you want oh so that's that's a real pizza. like authentic hawaiian uh, yeah, uh style that's pizza. A real deal. and uh yeah, we didn't get a lot of takers popular. on that yeah, I'm not yeah. surprised. I mean, come on. If you fry up the Spam and get it that crispy little uh, edge on it. I'm going to admit that <laughs> I like that way more than I should probably uh, let people know. Uh, it's not I really, bad. I, I grew up in a household where we actually from time to time had, and I'm not kidding, Spam sandwiches. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's that. That was the thing. All right. I tell you what, we are going to take a break here. We have more uh, beers to taste when we come back, and more uh, pairings to talk about. At one point, we'll uh, try your ginger beer, which I have not had, so I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, there's a little uh, a little Clan Denny whiskey to be tasted from the Isle of Jura. So we'll get to that as uh, the show continues. Uh, we still have. Uh, Drinking news on the way, and when we come back, we'll uh, talk to you a little bit about cigars to watch for in the coming weeks. Smoking and toast. All right. We got two more. Passing those on that way. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. This is the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are on show number 283. That's halfway to 300. And our guest is Ryan Savoie. He is with uh, St. Arnold uh, Brewing Company, but he is the executive chef there at St. Arnold, which is uh, uh, really exciting for us to have somebody on who knows, uh, you know, who really knows food and uh, and can talk about it in relation to uh, beer pairing. And that's something that we I get asked about that a lot. When people find out we do the show uh and then i'm and then i'm on the show or, or somebody that you know uh maybe has a passing uh familiarity with some of the stuff that we talk about uh i get asked a lot about well what would you what would you eat with this or if you're eating this what what would you recommend to uh, to drink so the whole pairing thing i think is becoming a more and more important part of both the spirit, uh, you know, the enjoyment of spirits, and the enjoyment of craft beer yep. uh, as well, uh, than than what it used to be. So, uh, so it's fun to kind of delve into this, and we'll do a little more of that here in just a moment. I want to tell you about some cigars to watch for. A pair of slender limited edition smokes from Drew Estate are returning to cigar retailers uh, this summer. The Herrera Esteli Habano Edition Limitada Lancero, and the Connecticut Broadleaf. Uh, Tienda Exclusiva Lancero from Drew Estate will be heading to shops that are part of the Drew Diplomat program, which is about 600 uh, locations worldwide. They're made in Nicaragua at the La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate Fab- Fa- Factory. Uh, these skinny smokes measure 7 inches long and a 38 ring gauge. Only four 
roller buncher teams in the entire factory will be tasked with wow. doing these because they're not an easy cigar to roll, uh, apparently. Uh, uh, Willie Herrera, who's the master blender for Drew Estate, says the Lancero is generally his favorite size of cigar. It allows the smoking characteristics of these beautiful leaves, especially their nuances, to truly grab your attention. Uh, these will consist of an Ecuadorian Habana wrapper, Honduran binder, and Nicaraguan filler. Uh, the uh, cigars will not be cheap. The Broadleaf, Lancetto, and the Habana are expected to hit the market in July. Both come in boxes of 15, suggested retail price of $12.95 per cigar. Oh, wow. And it is seven inches long, so it's a it's yeah. a reasonably long cigar, but obviously it's a thin uh, thin. Well, the Lancero is so. an interesting cigar because you get so much wrapper leaf compared right. to your binder and filler that, right. that you really, really get to experience that And the leaf. wrappers where most of the flavor that you enjoy in the yes. cigar comes from, but the... Uh, the filler is where the blender can really tweak Sweet, and yeah, make things uh, make things more that's interesting. The sauce. So it's yeah, so it's very interesting. It's it's like having a uh, a lot of flavor, but less that the blender can do with it because of that. So they have to be really really good. And my father's cigars is putting the final touches on the Flor de las Antillas. 10th Anniversary Limited Edition 2022. It's a new version of one of their most heralded brands, a one-size small production release that it hopes to have on display at the PCA Trade Show in July and shipping to cigar shops uh, following later in the year. These cigars, special edition made in Nicaragua, will be presented in ornate numbered boxes that contain 12 cigars, each of them presented in individual wooden coffins. You know how they oh, do yeah, that yeah. with the different cigars. The boxes are striking, they say. Really good. And, uh, so I got my box uh, that I was able to buy from Alan of those Olivas, the uh, uh, 135. The 135, uh, yeah. That has to be the most incredible cigar presentation it's beautiful in a box it, that yeah. I've ever seen. It's just absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Anyway, the boxes on these uh, My Father cigars are uh, striking. Uh, the the Flor de las Antillas is a My Father brand. They're made in the My Father factory, and uh, the Toro uh, size of the Flor de las Antillas was named Cigar of the Year in 2012. I'm a fan of that whole line. Aficionado uh, magazine. And uh, the new smokes will measure six and a half inches by 52. And the all Nicaraguan blend, it's a Puro, it has a certain familiarity to the traditional Flor de las Antillas, uh, but it has been modified with tobacco from different farms. All of them owned by uh, uh, by the Garcias. Only five thousand boxes are slated for production, or sixty thousand cigars in total. It will be medium plus in body, and the Garcia family, the owners of my father, have yet to determine the pricing. So right. something to watch for, uh, because you know, with with both of these, the the production is going to be so limited on them that if you're not watching for them, you could very well miss them. If it's something that right. sounds like you want to try, you're going to have to kind of keep an eye out. So right. so there's your cigars to watch for for this week. And, Ryan, are uh, you a cigar smoker at all? Uh, I have from time to time. Yeah. used to uh, quite Occasional. a bit. Not so much anymore. Yeah. And uh, I liked Macanudo quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, those And uh, <laughs> I used to buy the Don Diego Babies. I know those uh-huh. cigars. A I've lot. had those. Yes, yes. And um, there was one uh, that we used to get. I don't remember the style. Uh, I think it was a style. I don't think just this one company made it, but uh, it was like two twisted together. Yes, yes. Those um, are very cool. 
And I always like those because you could share. And then there's two of you standing there smoking a Although they're cigar a little, that looks they're a little, they're a little curly, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, there's it. a couple companies that still make those. Yes, that's right. And they usually come in a and little coffin box there's a Yeah, there's a name for that, and I can't remember what the name of that is. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head as well. Right now is when we need WikiBrand Wiki the most. Brand. Yes, that's right. So <laughs> we haven't talked about this uh, yet on the show, but today is the first edition of Smoking and Toasting after 283 shows. Uh, that we're not actually doing it live on Facebook. Now, the show is available on Facebook Thursdays at 1 o'clock, just like it's always been. Uh, but for the first time uh, this year, uh, this uh, in the history of the show and in the weeks to come, uh, we'll be actually recording it earlier in the week, and it will post at 1 o'clock on uh, Thursday. So there's a number of technical reasons why we needed to make this change. I won't bore you with all of them. But the uh, the one drawback to it is it doesn't allow us to have the running commentary from our uh, yes. uh, from our some of our uh, most hardcore fans, I guess, uh, if you want to call them that, uh, while the show is is going on. So we will miss that. But we still want you to jump in and comment. Because we'll reference it in future shows, and Ian's going to be there every week when the show airs. Uh, anyway, in there, you know, messing with you and talking to you in the comments. So, uh, so it'll still be hopefully a fun thing to do. Yeah. So if you're commenting today, you notice that we're not uh, we're not actually referencing your comments. It, yes. uh, that's why we're not ignoring you. We will see every comment and we'll talk about them uh, in in the weeks to come. So, um, so ginger beer, really quickly, um, yeah. what what is ginger beer exactly? Is it really a beer? Uh, I think that was a, a phrase that was put to it when it started getting made because I, it was probably along with with root beer, right. sarsaparilla, the first right because like, root non-alcoholic yeah. drink that was made. But is widely root, root beer is not really a beer either, is it? Right no. as as we would define. Uh, no, beer. it's not. It's not fermented. Uh, right. I don't believe this is either. <coughs> but they're both cooked. Mm-hmm. Um, just like you would uh, just boil the grains for, for a while. Yeah, so part of the processes are similar. Now, St. Arnold's root beer has been, been very popular for years and years. Oh, yeah. Yes, it has. That's and a, it's good, that's a big, too. Yeah. And it's good. It says on the, uh, on the side of the six-pack, to mix or to sip. Yeah. Uh, and, and so what kind of things would you mix this with? Well, the Moscow Mule is very popular. Yeah, right. well, uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, because yeah. that is ginger beer in it. Do you guys then, have mixed beers at the... Rest or mixed drinks at the restaurant? Nope. No. Just our product. Just yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, uh, um, oh, but I was just gonna say it's it's very refreshing. I'm not a huge fan of the taste of ginger. I it's like not ginger. one of my favorite. I like ginger things. beer more than I like root beer. Generally. Yeah, me too. Like when I have sushi, I don't eat the ginger. <laughs> you know, I just kind of leave I, it on the plate. I like ginger. It's not, it's not uh, I, you know, I find there's some ginger beers that are a little too spicy sometimes. Like mm-hmm. uh, uh, I. This I is brand like, new, right? I do yeah. like ginger so we, ale. We usually have been getting the Fever Tree one, and it's mm-hmm. a little spicy on its own. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna drink it in a cup like this, you need to let it you need to let it water in a little bit. But this one actually, but very, this very drinkable. I yeah, think. this yeah. one right oh, yeah. out right out of the box has got a little bit of spice, but it's not it's not doesn't make you. Um, it's uh, not hot. Yeah, it's not hot, spicy. And so this does have actual ginger in it. Right? Oh yeah, it's part of the part of the brewing process. Yeah. So, and uh, does any, that smell amazing at the brewery when it, they're making? Uh, it? I bet it does. Yeah. Oh yeah. Any 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 time that they're that they're making anything, uh, you can smell it. It's, yeah. It's awesome. Like in the morning when you love that yeah. smell. When you can smell the wort. It's, yeah, it's I great. love that. Mm. Mm. 
Uh, so is this available now? Is it about to be available? Uh, what do you we know? have it available at the Beer Garden. Okay. Uh, and I believe it's available at uh, bars around town and retail okay. is imminent. It's imminent. Okay. Com- coming up pretty soon. And do you know if this is a short-term thing or if it's something you're going to keep out there? The root beer has stayed out there. Oh, yeah. The root beer is very popular. And uh, I, w- I would imagine it, it would go along with you know how it's received. I think it'll be received really well because it's delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would see it sticking around for quite a while. I, there's no intention to to stop making To do a small it. run, yeah. yeah. No. Right. Well, good, good. Well, this is something you can look for uh, very soon in a store near you. And uh, as, as you uh, mentioned, Ryan, uh, this may be available uh, at a lot of bars and stuff uh, almost immediately, correct? Oh, yeah. yeah. In the greater Houston area. So. Yeah, I'll be picking that up for mixers uh, almost immediately yeah. when I see it. All right. We're going to take a, a quick break. be back with uh, another segment. And we have a couple more beers we want to try as well as uh, some whiskey we're going to get into. So uh, some awesome. scotch. Uh, we'll look forward to that. So we're going to toast in number 283. And we will be right back. Welcome back at Smoking and Toasting. This is the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Ian, give it a rip. Oh, yes. <laughs> Nothing but the finest sound effects here on uh, Smoking and Toasting. We try to be as authentic as yeah, possible. That's right. Meaning, a- when you hear us opening a whiskey, we are actually opening a whiskey. We don't just go for cheap sound effects. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Except for the cheap sound effects box, which is about as cheap as you can get when it comes to sound effects. Well, that's because I can't bring... A big old spring in here that's to do true. that. That's true. That's a good point. And <laughs> and like the glass breaking one, it would get pretty messed up in here if you were just although kind it has of breaking been done. glass all the time. Yeah, it has been done. You're absolutely right. Uh, so we're gonna try some whiskey. I picked this up actually uh, last week. Um, actually, after last week's show, I went to Specs and uh, picked up some of this whiskey. I was looking for something that would be fun to take to the uh, steak and bottle share, and uh, then we would have it on the show this week. So what happened, in is, did you pass around for How many do we have here? I've got one there and I one in my here. hand. So Okay, keep passing we, we down. Need, uh, and then you're out on this one, you said? Yeah. Okay. All right, so we got uh, uh, just one more for you then. Uh, so we took this down to uh, El Cubano uh, and did uh, uh, did some bottle sharing with it, although Ian did not taste it there. I did, but Ian did not. So it'll be interesting to get your take on the Clan Denny whiskey. And this is from the Isle of Jura, so this is scotch. And uh, tell us about what it says there on the bottle. What are we drinking here? It says a lot. Yeah, it, it says, um This is a special uh, cask that Specs picked, by so the way. So Clan Denny. Single cask, single malt Scotch whiskey, um, uh, uh, distilled at Jura Distillery, aged 13 years, uh, 2006 vintage Highland region. Uh, this is uh, three number 304 of uh, 705 bottles distilled, April 06, bottled July 19. Hand selected for specs, cast type, refill butt. And I'll read the nose and everything after we taste it, I think. Without coloring, non-chill filtered. It is very light. Uh, for a whiskey, very straw-colored, which you're very used to. Very light straw-colored. Uh, you're used to Scotch whiskey being a little darker, a little, you know, more amber. Uh, and this is a, this is very light-colored. But what I will you? tell you, the, the, there's, the, the peat nose 
happens immediately there. Right. And it's not a peated whiskey, so that's uh, it's an interesting. No, but they're just peating that dirt. Yeah, well, look where it's coming from. Yeah, you know, look at the centuries of... Uh, this is almost has a grapey kind of flavor to it. It really does, especially, like, on the finish, you get a little grapiness. That's, a, that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. It says the nose is distinctly sweet with delicious maritime qualities. I, I kind of get, like, a salty sea kind of thing mm-hmm. going on. Fresh fruit, berry style. The palate has... Uh, a fulsome oceanic blast with gentle smoke. Sweet malt and more of that fruit. Uh, and the medium long finish moves to uh, rock pools, burnt sugar, and an oily glaze. Oily glaze. That's an interesting way to put it. Rock pools, burnt sugar, and an oily glaze. Wasn't that the second Pink Floyd album? <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> rock pools, burnt sugar, and an oily glaze. Uh, established in 1947, Douglas McGibbon and Company is a, an independent family-owned company and our third generation who pride ourselves on taking a hands-on and artisan approach to our Scotch whiskeys in our Clan Denny range. We hope you will find friends of many different characters and ages. Each has a slightly different life story from still to cask to dram. But with one thing in common, these whiskeys all have been hand-selected from the Douglas McGibbon family stocks and presented to you without coloring or chill filtration. What uh, what do you think of this, Ian? I I, I got this because it was a uh, was a was a single cask and a single uh, obviously single malt, but it was a single cask that was uh, selected for specs. Uh, so this is not something you'd be able to get just anywhere. So, although you should be able to find Clandenny wherever you are. For those out there that like to use the term single malt, uh, s- some people know what that means. That's actually telling you a couple things about the whiskey. First off, it's made in a single. Uh, distillery, mm-hmm. and it's uh, the malt bill right. is, is what's going on there. That's what single malt actually means. Um, a lot of times the scotch uh, can be single malt and still be blended within house mm-hmm. of different whiskeys or more of the same type, but it's not a blended whiskey unless you take it outside of uh, that same outside of the house, yeah. distillery and, mm-hmm. and blend outside the house. But anyway, single that's, that's just a little bit about single malt, so there's no confusion on what that actually means. Mm-hmm. The single cask means that um, instead of taking a cask, um, what they do a lot of times when they're, uh, when they're making this is they'll blend casks from within the same house to achieve a certain flavor profile. Yeah, a certain flavor profile that they're going for every right, time for Right, and so this means that they just selected a single cask and said, I want this cask for my right. So say, So let's say you had, uh, uh, you had the whiskey barrels that had come out from like this particular crop that you're, that you're doing, and you notice that one of them in particular may have a little stronger or a little less of a particular characteristic that your whiskey that is supposed to be for has you would use you would mix it with other mm-hmm. casks in order to find that balance and create the consistency you were looking for in this case this is a singular individual cask and none of the other casks are going to taste exactly like it Although they'll be in the same family. In the same family, yeah. 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 But they, they can taste uh, reasonably different from each other, even from the same uh, mm-hmm. malt bill and everything. Well, they say that it even it even can taste different based on whether the cask was stored closer to the ground or several you know shelves up. This 
also has a, a spicy finish on it. It does. It, it has a, a, I love the oily glaze mm-hmm. statement. That's, you, you <laughs> that's a, a lot little, of fun. You get a little minerality in the beginning and on the middle of the palate. Uh, you get a uh, a little bit of grapiness, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then there's that little, uh, this little kick on the back end. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit, is... little, little bit of warmth on it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because it's a lot bigger flavor than I was expecting from the color of the whiskey, which you tend to think. That's right. You when think, it's, you think when it's, it's going to be lighter. that light mm-hmm. of a straw color, you tend to think, okay, it's probably going to be a little bit more delicate. This, I don't think, has a lot of uh, delicate qualities no, to it. It's very fruity, very forward, very agreed. smoky, um, and with a little bit of heat on the end, which is... Do you it's, like it's, it? Yeah, I like it. It's just delightful. Mm-hmm. And what how what year is this? How many years old? So this is uh, distilled in two thousand six, April two thousand six, bottled in July nineteen. Hmm. So you got thirteen years on it, um, in the cask, hmm. and then hand selected for specs. I like it. So yeah, so this is specs uh, cask it, selection. It does make me think of the sea. It does. It does. It has that, that sea. You know. Um, like when you go out to Galveston mm-hmm. and you just breathe that salt air for a while, right, you have right. that salty taste on your lips. Mm-hmm. This leaves a little bit of that going yeah, on, which is kind of a cool thing. That makes me like. I it say even Galveston because it's close, but I'm, I'm sure that happens on any coast. And it, it may be a better salty <laughs> taste on some coast than maybe. it is in Galveston. <laughs> maybe. I can I can uh, I can speak to that. Well, uh, well, that's good stuff. I like it. We'll uh, we'll have a little more of that as the as the afternoon continues. But we want to come back to uh, beer and food pairings and Ryan Savoie, who is here with uh, St. Arnold Brewing Company. Uh, he's the executive chef there. Um, so what are we talking next in terms of beer and food pairing? Uh, well, moving up the line, uh, we've got the H-Town Pills. Mm-hmm. And uh, that uh, is our ideal Pilsner. Let's show that to the camera and uh, then do a little pouring. For yeah. the... Uh, Greatest city in the country, Houston, now, Texas. You guys have the H Town Pills, but you also have a Summer Pills that's very good. Yes, these that's are a seasonal. These I'm are a two big fan of the these Summer These are pills. two very, very different Pilsners, though. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's interesting to me how, uh, you know, I know more about ales than I do about Pilsners, but it's just interesting to me how different the flavor and taste is uh, between those two Pilsners that you guys put out one year round and one uh, seasonally. But yeah. Uh, uh, I would say that this one uh, has a little bit more uh, hop to it, um, mm-hmm. and I always said that the summer pills, the 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 way that I always described it to people was cereally. Uh, like the, mm-hmm. there's a there's a fairly significant grain, grain flavor, not grainy as in like gritty, but grainy like the fla- actual like, like an actual yeah, grain. There's, yeah, there's mm-hmm. a there's a serious grain flavor in that that I really really like. Um, and that's still there in this one, uh, but the hops are still coming out a little bit more. It's got Sterling and Saz uh, in there. This may be a little hoppier than your typical uh, uh, Pilsner, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. yeah. But I think uh, that that would oh, yeah. that would appeal to you know, I think uh, a lot of beer drinkers, certainly ones that I've talked to over the last couple of years, you know, with the popularity of of, of IPAs, IPAs, yeah, yeah. sure. You having beers? I'm okay. Okay. Uh, not that one. But. Uh, but but the popularity of IPAs, you're right. People have become more interested in hop flavor. Yeah. And so you've seen, you know, some there are some uh, pilsners or lagers. I've even seen the breweries 
describe them as a hoppy lager. Yeah. Or uh, and and this is this is that a bit, although maybe not as much as some of the ones that I've seen that actually are using that terminology. Right. Uh, but there, a, but you're right. There is a little more hop forwardness here. So. Yeah. Mm. It's it's I well in comparison to the summer pills. Right. And so. Um, if you're drinking this beer, uh, what, are we, what are you going to recommend to people food-wise? Ooh, chicken wings. Oh, yes. Yeah. That would totally work. That yeah, totally that, work. that's what I would say. Uh, and yeah. and, uh, and do, you, do you guys have chicken wings on your menu? Oh, we sure yeah. do. We've and, got uh, the, uh, the fire emoji chicken wing, which we've, <laughs> I love we've, that. we ferment our own sriracha. Nice. And then we make the with like a buffalo style sauce. We take the fermented sriracha and we blend that with butter, like a like a buffalo sauce. And oh, that's nice. the fire emoji sauce. Uh, we've got uh, let's see, Magic City lemon pepper, which is a dry wing, dry seasoning on the wing. We've got Sweet Joe's rub, which uh, came from uh, the chef who runs our catering. Yeah. Uh, he had a rub that he would put on the chickens that he was serving, and and we started. Uh, putting out just for ourselves so just the rub itself yeah for yeah. for the chicken that we were eating in the kitchen and uh i've always felt it to be a good idea that you know if the staff is gravitating towards a certain yeah certain thing it's, then maybe their, yeah. chances yeah. are yeah, yeah, yeah it's gonna sure it's gonna be popular yeah. uh let's see then we oh we've got a uh got a green tie uh and a peach and arrow mm. Peach and arrow. Yeah. I like the sound of that. And plain. So green tie is like and plain <laughs> with green tie chilies. Yeah, green tie chilies. Uh, and how hot is that one? Is it not very? Yeah. Okay. Because no. green tie chilies can be very hot. Yeah, yeah. it's in there. There's there's kick to it, but um, no, it's 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 not. I wouldn't I wouldn't call it too hot. I love spicy. I love very spicy. I don't like spicy beer, but I like spicy food. Uh, yes, yes, agreed on that. And then a beer like this to wash it down. Yeah. You know? Usually, you know, if you go to a hot wings place, they have, you know, all the way up to like their nuclear style one. I always get the one right below it. <laughs> but when you go someplace like 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 Santa Arnold where they craft Everything you guys aren't making one for a challenge situation. I'm assuming no. So I'm assuming your hottest one is still very flavorful. I would think so. And I'm I'm not. I mean, I don't mind hot, but I don't want the heat to obscure the flavor of the meat. Yeah. And the flavor of uh, the other seasoning. So I I have a tendency to prefer a lot of times what I call jalapeno hot, which is on the tongue, but doesn't obscure the uh, the actual flavors uh, of the meat itself. Um, My favorite, you know, sausage is the uh, jalapeno uh, sausage. To me, that's just a perfect blend. You get that little bit of kick on the tongue, but you still get to uh, enjoy the meaty. Nah, I want it to make me sweat between my eyes. <laughs> but you're like, and and listen, I know some people who are from Buffalo, New York, and once I get over uh, asking them why would you ever want to live in a city with that climate, uh, we get to talking about wings, and they're just big believers in that buffalo sauce taste. And I, I like it, but again, that's one that if it gets too hot, it just obscures everything. You know what I mean? The the buffalo sauce. That's, that's you mentioned super that you hot. you make plain wings. Well, we offer them. <laughs> <laughs> is that is it popular? Uh, fairly enough. We sell a few during I'll, every shift that I'm there. Because I guess you could get plain wings and dip them, but man, I was going to say I'll give you guys a, a little secret. I order plain wings a lot. 
when I go someplace that has them for chicken wings. But we brine our we brine our wings. Oh yeah. yeah. A lot so. of times the flavor is terrific, and if you need a little something extra, there's usually sauces like you said that you can dunk them in. So, uh, so I like it that way. I'm super curious about your fire emoji one with the sriracha. Yeah, it's it's great. We it's by far our most popular, <laughs> and we've we only made a, a ridiculously hot wing sauce once, and that was for a special event where basically it was for Halloween pub night, San Arnold. Dressed up as Brash, uh, <laughs> Brash Brewing, Houston, Texas. Yes. Um, and so all of our our menu was entirely metal themed because they're fairly of metal course. dudes yes, yes. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And so I made uh, scorpion wings. Well, scorpion when Pantera peppers. is the latest thing on your jukebox, yeah, hey, listen, yeah. <laughs> I, I had a good time over at Brash once, uh, although it was about 170 degrees inside there. Yeah. I mean, it was like it's rough in the summer. But the beer was very good, and I went to see the band Mr. Plow. Which has got to be one of the coolest band names of all That's pretty awesome. time. You mentioned Anytime a Simpsons reference becomes a band name. I'm in. <laughs> you mentioned you dressed up as Brash. I'm going to go back to old school uh, Montrose days. Were you around on the Halloween when Rudyard's dressed up as um, as uh, 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 totally blanking on it? What's that? Emos? No. Uh, the skinny Kenny works here. Come on. Uh, oh. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Why are we blanking on this? This is real inside baseball We're, for people yeah, that don't right. live in Houston. But uh, Goodness gracious. The little purple place. I'm totally blanking on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember either. But, I, uh, I apologize. So these two bars in the Montrose area dressed up as each oh, other. Lola's. Lola's, yes, thank you. I, I, I don't know why <laughs> I couldn't remember that. These two bars in Houston area dressed up as each other and even swapped employees. Uh, that's great. It was for the Halloween? most yes, it was yeah. the most bizarre thing. It was that's pretty cool absolutely for April hilarious. Fool's Day too. You know, that'd be fun. But, uh, <laughs> right? Lola's, anyway. thank you. I don't know yeah. why I couldn't bring up Lola's. <laughs> All right, I tell you what, we are going to take another break. When we come back, it's drinking news time, and we're going to get to maybe my favorite beer that you brought today. I love me some Harmony. This is Harmony. I've been buying a lot of this lately. So if you're seeing the sales surge. That's me. Uh, We'll be right back smoking the toast. Yeah, I've been working on the summer pills. I love the season. Welcome back. It is smoking and Toasting. We are glad to be here, my friends, and uh, we're glad that you are here as we do program number 283. We are officially halfway to 300. So. I've, I've done the math. That's, that's about I, right. I appreciate that you're, you're, you're always good like that. Our guest is Ryan uh, Savoie. He is with St. Arnold Brewing Company, but he's not a brewer. He's their executive chef. So we're talking about food and beer pairings on the program today. We have uh, a little more to get to, but first, what has become... Astonishingly, the most popular segment on the program, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Drinking News. Drinking news, drinking news, now it's time for Drinking News. Drinking news, drinking news, now it's time for Drinking News. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, I had to take my gator to the vet. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. 
Well, uh, Drinking News, uh, once again, we remind you that this segment on the program, uh, popular as it may be, is uh, sometimes and occasionally is actually stories about drinking. Not always, uh, but it is always stories that are probably best enjoyed if you've been drinking. And with a little help from St. Arnold and Clan Denny, we've been doing that. So we're ready for today's installment of Drinking News. Now, back in the day, before QAnon and people believing that John F. Kennedy Jr. was not dead, but was going to reveal himself to the world and be Donald Trump's running mate in 2024, conspiracy theories and urban legends and strange phenomena were really a lot more fun. I have a theory about conspiracy theories. Yeah? They're out to get me. <laughs> you know, it was awesome in some silly way to believe that Elvis was still alive and working at a Burger King in Schenectady, or that Bigfoot was real, or that the Chupacabra attacks random goats and sucks out their blood. These are things you can have fun with, right? Conspiracy theories and urban legends used to be a lot more Don't fun. forget the jackalope. Yeah, the jackalope, exactly. But my favorite of all of these... Has all for me personally has always been the Loch Ness monster, the legendary water creature that's said to swim in a Scottish lake. Good old Nessie. Yeah, I'm actually kind of fond of old Nessie, and a part of me has always wanted to believe that she was real. Seriously, like after all, I mean, we've all seen the picture, and it looks pretty weird and dinosaurish to me. And you can look at the picture, and again, I sent you these pictures. This would be the oh. first of the two. That's that classic picture that you've seen. Of the Loch Ness Monster. We've got it up on the screen now for those of you who are watching the show. But an ecology professor has just put an end to all the fun by revealing what this thing we've always called the Loch Ness Monster <laughs> may actually be, and you're not going to like it. Oh, no. Or maybe you will, depending on how weird you are. Hold on. Suspenseful music. Michael Sweet. A professor hey. in molecular ecology at the University of Derby recently suggested... Oh, not the guy from Striper. Correct, our, correct. I was going to get to that. Uh, Michael Sweet, the professor at the University of Derby, <laughs> recently suggested on Twitter that Nessie isn't a monster at all, but is just... Wait for it. A whale penis. <laughs> Judging by the picture, it could Sweet. be classified as a monster. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a monster. Boom, yes. ching, but you know. Uh, Sweet said that many sea monster stories reported by explorers were inspired by what he called tentacled and alienesque appendages emerging from the water. End quote. But while many of the observers may have believed the appendages breaking the ocean surface, and by the way, we will have the other picture up at this point. Uh, while uh, many of the observers may have believed the appendages breaking the ocean surface might be part of something more sinister lurking beneath, Sweet said that in many cases, it was just whale schlongs. So it's just a whale sunning his dork? Exactly. <laughs> According to Sweet, and I'm quoting here, whales often mate in groups. So while one male is busy with the female, the other male just pops his whalehood oh out of the water uh, while swimming his, around his and, mast. and waiting for his turn. Everybody's <laughs> got to have a bit of fun, right? Uh, sadly, Nessie was unavailable to comment on the whole whale penis hypothesis. But to be fair, it's just the latest theory to pop up about the probably mythical Scottish creature. Back in 2009, researchers suspected the creature was really a giant eel, while one local man claimed it was just a giant catfish. But in my desperate hope to debunk our scientist theory, 
I would ask you this question. What is a whale doing sticking his penis up out of a body of fresh water? Good question. <clears throat> According to uh, whalefacts.org, and yes, that's a real website, even though these marine mammals thrive in the ocean, whales cannot live in freshwater environments, at least not for long periods of time. In fact, all known whale species live and thrive in saltwater environments rather than freshwater, and there are several reasons for doing so. And as to the Loch Ness itself, Britannica.com says, with a depth of 788 feet and a length of about 23 miles, Loch Ness has the largest volume of freshwater in Great Britain. Boom. Michael Sweet should stick to try and play guitar for uh, for uh, Striper. That's trying to play like his namesake who's in Striper uh, because we have just shot down his theory right here on Drinking News. Don't tell me. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that, yeah. I yeah think we science the shit out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's right. The Loch Ness monster is more likely a prehistoric Scottish creature than he is the erection of a whale, and that is all there is to it. So the photo. Uh, of of the whale did not come from this. He did not take that photo in Loch Ness. It's couldn't just have, his idea. Couldn't have because yeah. the the uh, the whale couldn't uh, couldn't be there. Couldn't be there exactly. Is so, it landlocked as well? Uh, yes, it is. Yes, oh, it is. Wow. So I'm pretty happy about all of this. The next thing you know, uh, somebody will be trying to claim that that legendary Bigfoot footage is just... Well, I see what they did. They took a picture of an actual whale dork, and yeah. then they put it next to the Loch Ness right, Monster. Right, That's thing. why we've got those two pictures to show you here. Uh, but, like, you got to debunk these things. Next thing you know, somebody's going to be trying to claim that that legendary Bigfoot footage that we've all seen is just Will Ferrell in an ugly costume. Or, <laughs> you know, like a Sasquatch version of the Zapruder film, right? Uh, no. He's not, and he's not in the White House pretending to be Joe Biden either. So Nessie Lives, reporting from the Scottish Lock, where I have just dropped the mic. I think it may have actually dropped into the water. Uh, my name is Cruz, and that is your... Drinking news, drinking news. That's our time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. All right, there you go. You know, uh, this is where I miss having the comments uh, rolling in. You know what I mean? Like, because I because I have a feeling they're going to look really good when we when we get yeah, to see them. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's that's true. Very true story about the scientists. I can't believe he's a scientist and he didn't figure out the fresh water thing. Right. Oh, it's wow. a lot more fun to believe it's real, anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's, that was my whole Agreed. point. I I want to believe in in Nessie. Yeah. Yeah. And Bigfoot. And Bigfoot. And yeah. aliens. All that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And Area Fifty One and all that stuff. It has to be, you know? All right. Uh, let's talk beer and food once again, and let's talk one of my favorite things that you guys have ever made at St. Arnold, and that is this uh, blissfully hoppy Harmony Hazy Pale Ale. Now, this is really new, isn't it? Uh, it's fairly new, yeah. yeah. Within the last uh, three-ish months. Yeah, that's what I, I thought. I've been I've been buying it for a couple of months, and I have, uh, I have become a fan. It is in my absolute regular rotation, and I just love... Uh, how how refreshing it is. A lot of times when you get a really hoppy beer, it has great flavor, yeah. but it isn't as refreshing. And this manages right, to right. be both, which I really, really, really appreciate. And I'm uh, I'm I'm interested to see what you would say pairs with this on a food uh, on a food level. For this one specifically, uh, I would put it with uh, our bistro filet steak. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a yeah. uh, we use a terrace major, which is mm -hmm. a it's a real it's called a butcher's tenderloin. Okay, yeah, that makes a, sense. It's yeah. a real small, right behind the shoulder blade. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we we uh, serve that steak frites, you know. Oh uh, yeah. And Very uh, good. and I think that that would go well uh, because you know it it is. It is big on the hops, but there's, yes, it is. there's still a lot of uh, other characteristics that... You can, like, when you pour this, you can smell the dank from the hops, like, mm -hmm. almost instantaneously. Yeah. It's it's definitely as... And this is a pale ale, right? So it's not an IPA, but it's very close. It's in the same general family. Yeah. But pale ales have a tendency to be just a little bit crisper, uh, at least in my experience. And this is... Uh, not this, as bitter, either. Yeah. It, it's got that wonderful crispness and a very... Very high level of drinkability, but the hops are nice and flavorful. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, the great, great aromas. What is your go-to style of beer? Honestly, uh, I like I like Kolsch quite a bit. Yeah. I love the fancy lawnmower. Yeah. Uh, I always lean towards the lighter lagers um, as I've gotten older. Now, fancy lawnmower is an ale, right? It's a Kolsch, yeah. It's a yes. Kolsch, okay, gotcha. And, and that's just got... That's just got such a unique flavor. I mean, I've never had another beer that tasted quite like that. Yeah, I like it's that one. just great. Yeah, it's just really. And I'll, I'll be honest, I did not used to be a fan of it. Now I really remember like it. the Weed Whacker one too. Yes, that was like yes. that was one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was one of the coolest beers that they did. And will they ever bring back something like that at Saint Arnold? Ah, uh, maybe for a limited limited release or something like that. I, I actually really like the Weed Whacker as well. That was yeah, that was stuff. a pretty polarizing beer it was a real love it or hate it it was like if you took lawnmower and just turned it up mm -hmm. like yeah. flavor wise because mm -hmm. i don't think it was it wasn't bigger uh abv it was just no they used a different yeast uh in the fermentation and so it was it was rather cloudy uh it was much fruitier uh and overall it it was a lot more complex yeah. Um, than than the uh, than the lawnmower was. It, it was really neat. Well, I know people are always, you know, I'm sure, trying to lobby you to see if they can get a particular thing to come back. So we want to put our vote into that. Just we just want to be heard. Uh, we understand the right. We, we just we just need out. to get Brock's number and just yeah, call him. Yeah. Uh, but but here's start sending him texts. Yeah, here's here's what we yeah he would love that. Uh, so here's what we want. We want uh, Weed Whacker to return. To make some kind of a return, uh, we want the return of Boiler Room. Boiler Room. And we also, oh, God, I would so love it if you would do this. Sailing Santa. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that That's a deep cut. was one of my all-time favorite <laughs> things. It was so good. And I have tried recreating yeah. it myself. With well, that's, how it, that's how it all started. And, and, and I, I, I just can't do it. volunteers at the brewery. I just can't. It, it won't come out right when I do it. I, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. So you guys have to brew it. Is Alyssa still in production? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I've seen it. It's right. not as widely distributed, I think, as it used to that be. That was real popular Art when it Car came became, out. Yeah, Art Car kind of took its place yeah. as your dominant IPA, I yeah. think. But, uh, oh, they still make it, yeah. 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 It's, it's a good idea. All right. So, I so, burned out on it uh, because I... 
drank it almost exclusively for quite a while. Ooh, I have a story yeah. as to why I burned out on that, but we'll, we'll talk about that after the show. <laughs> <laughs> but um, got it. I'm never going to burn out on uh, on this one though. This is just great. But you know, so I mean, it seems like we should have a party where we we bring those two beers together and see if we can make it. See if we can see, see if, if we, we can, can make, make our own happen. sailing Santa. Because that was that's Christmas ale and Alyssa, right? All right, that's our Christmas show this year. Yeah. We're going to try to make our own sailing Santa. That the the entire idea for that was from the volunteers during the tours at the old brewery. Yeah, and so they combined they them. Would, and it was, they would mix them. It was yeah. like Reese's peanut mm-hmm. butter cups. Would you Do you know your what the percentage was? It was high. No, no, I mean, no, 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 I mean the percentage of each beer. No, yes, I get that because oh. yeah, both well, of those yeah, are higher well, ABV. I can tell you it wasn't fifty-fifty because that—that's what right, I tried. Right, right. That's, that's that what I was wondering. Quite, it didn't quite work. Oh, in, in the mix, I, I, it was probably sixty-forty, uh, Alyssa to or sixty Christmas, forty. That 40 seems Alyssa. like it might be a little better. All right. We're going to try that for, for our Christmas show this year. We're going to try to That's make our own a, yeah, sailing Santa. That'll be a blast. <laughs> That's going to be a drunken show. <laughs> uh, yeah, unlike all the other shows. Right, so right. That's, that's very that's, different. Uh, so that's good to know. Um, uh, as far as the menu items that you guys offer at your uh, at the restaurant at St. Arnold, uh, how often does the menu change? Obviously, the beer menu changes from time to time. Uh, do you guys kind of lock into what works and more or less stay there, or are you constantly changing? Uh, all the all the items that are that are very popular, uh, we're not really interested in just taking them away. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we offer specials on a right, regular so basis. Things and, and, and menu. as things you know, sometimes the specials end up on the menu. In the case of our uh, jerk shrimp bon mi, I ran that as a Lent special. Because uh, every Friday during Lent, we would have a fish special. Mm-hmm. And one week, it was a jerk shrimp banh mi sandwich. It sounds great. Yeah, well, it's delicious. <laughs> uh, and that was really, really popular. Wow. Uh, and so we just decided to put it on the menu because uh, the seafood offerings on our menu were pretty slim at the time. It was just limited to fish and chips. So now we've got, you know. Do you, like, sandwich. sometimes just wake up in the middle of the night with an idea and jot it down and then go... I do. Try yeah. to make it happen in the morning. Yeah. And uh, anybody who works with me knows that my note-taking process is really, really disorganized. <laughs> um, so usually it's a whole bunch of doodles with just random words written down. And that's <laughs> and then usually I'll have to go back and then it'll jog my memory. But, yeah, I'm, I'm writing stuff down all the time. And, and that's usually how it goes. That's fun. And when- I've... I'm so good. Oh, uh, and eventually, you know, I usually just pick one thing to concentrate on and work out, you know, the recipe going through the development of that and then, uh, you know, give it a whirl. How long does it usually take for for an idea? Like you come up with an idea for something new and different. How long does it take to get that into reality and try and obviously it's got to pass the taste test and everything else, right? Yeah, some sometimes it's faster than others uh, because a lot of times we find that the idea that we have isn't practical, um, you know, f- as far as production goes. Yeah, when you got to ship in like very specific worms from the outside of Iceland. <laughs> yeah, those are hard to get. Right, right. Um, and a lot of times we'll we'll find out that our idea, you know wasn't as good as we thought it was going to be yeah, so, sometimes every, so things will need to get tweaked mm-hmm. uh but other other times it's just like it just 
falls out. Do you have a worst idea you've had? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm curious. Yeesh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I still <laughs> think, I think personally it's a great idea, but nobody bought it. Uh, it was a shareable platter that I called the old timer. And it was a tin of smoked oysters, uh, Pratchett's beef sticks, beer nuts, <laughs> pickled eggs, and and I think I would we were serving it with a little snit, a little short glass of beer on the tray. I, me and my wife would have totally ordered and that. <laughs> the idea behind that was, you know, and when I was a kid, I ended up at the at the bar with my grandparents a lot. And that's what they had to eat. I mean, not my grandparents, but that's what they had to offer at, that was at the, the menu. Bars. Basically, you could get beer nuts. You could well the 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 tin of oysters. I just I just like those the little tins of small. So oysters. you're not talking about like oysters on the half shell. You're talking about no. I mean like you crack open the, little, the tin. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I would, I would open top. up the tin halfway and put a bunch of little sword. Those little plastic yeah, sword the plastic swords. Yeah. yeah, I loved that's it. So great. And it was on our it was on our menu for. For maybe two months, we sold one. <laughs> I, I still, uh, I still think plans. it's a great idea, but it, it proved to be a, a pretty. Lousy Sometimes idea. it doesn't always sell. That's right. right that's right. Well, you know, um, Saint Arnold as a brewery, um, in in my you know way of thinking about Saint Arnold, it's a brewery that has been very very successful, but has never been one to just chase the latest trend. They didn't come out with a. a a thousand different uh, uh, hazy IPAs just when that trend took over everybody and they don't just jump on whatever the latest fad is. And yet they still seem to have a really great and well-defined and diverse uh, menu of beers. One of the big fads in both the beer community and the spirit community right now is celebrities doing their own. We've had the guys on that did the ACDC beers. We've had, uh, you know, uh, we've talked endlessly about Conor McGregor and his terrible whiskey. Oh, the whiskey's uh, so bad. We've, uh, but uh, the latest one, El Segundo uh, Brewing in Southern California, uh, has uh, teamed up with punk band Pennywise, and they're doing a uh, they're doing a beer called Unknown Road, God. which is. Which is the name of Pennywise's second album? But when, when I think of Pennywise, I think people I want to show me beer. Right, exactly. No, <laughs> no. but I, I was just going to ask: Would St. Arnold ever consider teaming up with you know maybe some famous Texas musician or someone and doing a uh, a celebrity beer? Is that just kind of beyond the pale for you guys? You think? I'm not too sure. I I think that uh, it would, of course, be considered. Yeah, you know. But uh, if Willie Nelson came calling, you wouldn't just tell him no right off the right off the bat. It's probably pretty likely that that Brock would want to work with Willie Nelson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> I know everybody wants to work with Willie Nelson. Yeah, but but. but but I guess it would need to make sense. What if Beyonce wanted to do a beer? Would you? You'd have to, right? That, that would be incredible. Just, just maybe like a. I queen, wonder what she likes to drink. A queen what her style is. Queen Bee Honey Amber. Ah, yeah, see, you already got it. You're already See? selling this. All right, uh, Th- call thank the you, Carter family. Brock, call me. We'll talk. 
<laughs> hey, hey, Beyonce's dad lives in my building. I could, I could, maybe I could swing this. Nice. Slide a note under the door. If only she and her father. <laughs> if only door. she and her father were speaking to each other, that would help a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, so uh, no, but it, it, it's not something you guys would just dismiss out of hand. You'd have a conversation if somebody wanted to. Oh yeah, it's always something. worth yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and you know. How else are you going to find the the good points and the bad points? Ian, what about your band? Would you guys want to do a beer? Uh, you know, I think most of the people in my band. Well, the guitar player likes good beer. Yeah. Um, everyone else drinks whiskey. Oh yeah, so it's a whiskey band. So yeah, yeah. all right, makes sense. Except for the acoustic guitar player, he drinks beer, but not much of it. No, uh, so I. I, I doesn't he know he's in a band? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> it's not like you guys are making a lot of money from every gig. you got to at least be enjoying <laughs> We're gonna get something. the bar tab. Something so, out of it. Ex- exactly. Uh, well, these these beers are terrific. I am a huge, huge fan of Harmony. I, I, I oh. like it. It's it's my favorite thing I think you guys have come out with in a long time. But I also, uh, also almost as equally like the uh, Juicy IPA. Uh, what's your f- absolute favorite St. Arnold that you've oh, ever had? That's, it's tough. I you know I I'm in love with with the seasonals. I love a lot of the um uh, uh barrel aged offerings, especially the barley wines. I'm a big fan of barley wines. Um porters, those kind of things. So speaking of which, you guys have an event coming up here. Oh, uh, we do. Certainly on the let's see June 4th. The 4th and the our, 5th, right? Yeah, June 4th is our anniversary party. And then on the 5th is a cellar tasting. Uh, the anniversary party is uh, free. Bring the whole family down. Uh, and there's going to be uh, live music mm-hmm. and uh, general revelry. I <laughs> um, love that. And then uh, on the 5th is the cellar tasting. And, I, and uh, tickets for that are available for purchase. Yeah, I looked that up online. I think it's $70 per individual. Still, on that one. Still, you'd be tasting some pretty interesting oh, stuff. Man. You know? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's the it's incredible. There is a lot of stuff that they that they keep on ice. I was going to say now out. that you guys aren't doing divine releases anymore. Um, well, they're still there. Oh, they're, they're still there, but yeah. not being released. Right, right. And that's my point. It's yeah. like yeah, this is this is where it gets interesting, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was such a big deal for so long, and I know like things move on, things change. But how many how many total? Divines were released. Twenty-two, I Something think. Something like that. Yeah. Wow. Divine yeah. reserves. 20. And then, and then, no, almost as many no bishops way. barrels. There was right. Twenty-five, I think. Twenty-four, or twenty-five of them. And almost and as many bishops, bishops barrel. There was uh, tw- at least twenty-two or twenty-four yeah. of them. Fun times. I still, yeah. That was, that was I, a I neat still thing. miss those. And, yeah. and the, uh, I believe two of the divine reserves ended up going to, into production. One of them, of course, became the Pumpkinator, yeah. mm-hmm. everybody's favorite uh, fall beer. And then was re-released as a barrel-aged Pumpkinator. That's right. I remember that. Talk yeah. about reusing a beer, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, awesome. Love it. Love it. Well, and then, of course, uh, Oktoberfest, too. You're talking about uh, seasonal beers. Uh, we just Christmas go crazy ale. when Oktoberfest comes out. Oktoberfest, Christmas ale. Yeah. Oh, Christmas ale is fantastic. Yeah, it's it so is. Good. And so this year we are definitely getting some and making our own uh, sailing yeah. Santas. I'm very excited about this. All right, we're going to be back for one more uh, segment to wrap up the show here. But I uh, really do want to thank you for being on. This Why has not? been a lot of fun talking about beer and food for pairings. Sure. And uh, we will take a quick break and be back at Smoking and Toasting, show number 283. 
Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Our special uh, our special guest today, uh, the one and only Ryan Savoie. He is the executive chef with St. Arnold Brewing Company. We've been uh, talking beer and food pairings all day. Thank you very much, Ryan, for being here. It's been a, oh, it was uh, a treat. Uh, it was it's, awesome. It's, it's, it's been a fun show. We've enjoyed, of course, we always enjoy drinking St. Arnold beers. Uh, but getting to talk a little bit about food pairings and what you would what you would do with it. Now we didn't talk about um, any of the darker beers. So real quickly, if if you got Let's say something like the Christmas ale, for example, um, or or commitment. Some, yeah, commi- uh, commitment. Oh, yeah. What would you pair? What would you pair with a beer like that? Oh, Food wise, where a would ste- you go? Yeah, a steak, steak or yeah. a burger. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, Ian would pair anything with. <laughs> I will float down the river, beers, river your, drinking a barley wine or a porter. That's your that's your wheelhouse, man. That is uh, <laughs> that is really good. I have no problems with that. I know we have you over for a pool party. It's always like, hey, I brought some uh, light, refreshing beers, uh, you know, for uh, for the summer day, and Ian's like. You got any barley wines? You know, <laughs> so, uh, so, but that's all right. It's it's okay to like what you like. See, I, I, I always, I am always against people feeling like they have to conform to a certain, uh, a certain thing because oh, it's it's spring. You can't wear black or you know, whatever it might be. It's a, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, be who you are. Like what you like. If you want to listen to crappy music, listen to crappy music and love it. You know, whatever that means, go for it. it you, know, you don't have to feel bad about it. Uh, and, but if you want to drink crappy beer, I will stop you. I will say there is more there's, in life. There's something better. There's something better. And I just I find myself wanting to do that far more than is probably a good idea. <laughs> you know? uh, but anyway. Uh, but anyway, Ryan, thank you so much for being wow, on the program. My pleasure. We do appreciate and love having you here. On our show next week, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to be talking about 15 different martini variations for every drinking mood. So oh. whatever mood you're in, we'll try to pair a martini with that particular. So mood now we're going on. We're moving on. That. We've done cigar pairings. Yes, yes. We've done food pairings. Now we're doing mood pairings. Mood pairings with martinis, you know. And I don't think a mood ring is necessary for you to be able to tell which mood you're in, uh, and and match up the martini. You'll know. You'll know how you <laughs> feel. Uh, that's uh, that's absolutely not necessary. Uh, plus, we uh, have eleven new Scotch bottles for you to try right now. Right now. So we'll look forward to uh, talking about all of those things um thank you guys for being here and being a part of the program we do appreciate your uh, your hanging out with us and we promise to have more exciting things to come in the very near future including by the way and not limited to um our uh, 300th uh show celebration which will be coming up this fall which we'll be telling you a little bit more you will about. be invited to that yeah. by the way everybody, everybody, yeah. everybody, everybody who's, who's, who's ever been on the show yeah will be invited and it wow. is kind of like a and free for it's all it's a ridiculous party you have, yeah. a, you have a venue is it, are you uh, going to record there we will record at the uh, uh i think we're going to do it at the new potato yeah. this year we'll point right. the we cameras away from the main yeah like, yeah party though. yeah right <laughs> no, but it'll, it'll be fun. Last last year, uh, the last time we did one of these was the hundredth show. The two hundredth came up during COVID, so we didn't weren't able to do it. But last time we did it was the hundredth show, and the show was four hours long. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> it, was it, was, just, it just kept going. It was it was so a revolving round table. Yes, like people yeah. would get up and walk off. Other people would sit down and start talking. And it was yeah. absolutely and blast. everybody right brought everybody brought, brought bottles and cans and cigars, and it was uh, it was great fun. So we'll do that we'll do that again, and we will uh, look forward to it. Thank you guys. 
guys for being here and being a part of the program this week. Ian, it's always a pleasure to see you. And by the way, special thanks to Manny El Cubano Lopez. Oh, that and, was so fun. And to Adam's wife, Brianna, who served as the camera person for yes. that segment. Uh, Brianna, you and Adam are going to be missed. In fact, we will dedicate this show to Adam, who came along and repra- replaced a very grumpy and grouchy producer and did a hell of a job. You got big shoes to fill, Doug. Uh, have a great week, my friends. We will talk to you uh, next Thursday on Smoking and Toasting, even if we've done the talking a few days before. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Enjoy and uh, cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all. Thank you.